Welcome to the Nations Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. I want to uh, share with you a word today. It's a very real word that I guess has uh, been something that I've gone through and, and journeyed with and wrestled with uh, through this year, really from, um, from Vision Sunday. He was here for Vision Sunday at our Myre campus, an incredible Sunday service. And uh, that was about February, so from about March, um, just a little bit after that. Uh, just some things that God had been spoken to me. So uh, if you'd allow me uh, today, I'd love to share with you a little bit about uh, my story and our family's story. And um, just after Vision Sunday, you know, things are going pretty good. Things are going pretty great. But uh, we kind of had just some, some challenges come up. We, um, we had a, an investment at the time that um, kind of wasn't doing what we uh, thought it would do. There was some transition on the horizon with my wife and her employment. And she was stepping out of our church role back into the private sector. And um, there was also some things going on with our kids, some health things. And, and in the midst of this all, there was some very serious and real requests from our Belmont campus and some families uh, doing it really tough. And, and a really, it was just a really tricky season or period. And, and it wasn't until someone just innocuously kind of asked me a question one day, guys, how are you doing? And I, I almost like broke out in tears. And I think it was at that moment I realized I wasn't okay. It was at that moment I was like, oh, guys, I think you got some issues. And, uh, and so, you know, around that period, God really began to speak to me. And um, it was in that time, actually, that he showed me something and he allowed me to very graciously and lovingly see this picture. And the picture that I saw was myself kind of looking into a mirror. And as I was looking into this mirror, I had these layers on and I started to kind of um, take, take these layers and these clothes off. And as I did, and I was looking in the mirror, I saw someone unrecognizable. I saw someone really, really thin. And you might say, guys, you're already thin. Thank you for the compliment. Uh, but this wasn't like a, you know, mm, babe, you're looking thin. You're looking real good. You know, that wasn't that kind of thin. It was kind of a malnutritional, you know, malnourishment kind of thin. And as God began to unpack this, I very clearly knew what he was speaking about. I was looking at someone who had lost their spiritual hunger. I was looking at someone who had lost their desire. I was looking at someone who had lost their appetite for the things of God. And I'm just so amazed at God's love and his grace and his kindness to show me that picture so early on to allow me to take the next step in this journey of humility and this journey of hunger to be then transformed by the holiness of our God. And I want to speak to you on this thought today online and in the room on humility, hunger, and holiness. Humility, hunger, and holiness. It's interesting in this period that uh, when I was wrestling and when I was kind of thinking about and God was very clearly speaking to me about spiritual hunger, that Pastor Chrissy spoke an incredible message at the start of this year called The Behaviors of the Hungry. Was anyone here for that? The Behaviors of the Hungry. It was an incredible message. While it may have felt on eager ears, it didn't fall on hungry ears. I was thinking to myself how easy it is to kind of hear about, be inspired by someone else's hunger, but how your hunger is your responsibility. Come on, your hunger is your responsibility. I can inspire you this morning. You you can inspire me. You can teach me. I can teach you, but I, I can't eat for you. I can't hunger for you. Maybe as I share that story, maybe you're in the room and like Pastor Ken Fletcher often tells me, most of us are like the rest of us. Maybe... You've been in that season before. Oh, with absolutely no condemnation in this place as I pour out my heart and really be vulnerable with you 
today, Nations Church, maybe you find yourself in that season right now. My prayer today is that you're simply encouraged to be spiritually hungry again. My prayer today is that you will simply be encouraged to be spiritually hungry again, that you would, in your humility, allow yourself to know that I'm not perfect and I don't have all the answers, but I know a God who does and that the spiritual hunger that you possess and that you walk in would drive you to be transformed in the holiness of our God. Is this all right for you guys today? I was just so amazed that God would gracefully open my eyes to see this mirror, so to speak, of what I look like. And I wonder, what does your mirror look like today? If God was to open your eyes and show you in the realm of the spiritual and the invisible, would you see someone kind of doing well, jacked up on the spiritual fruits, looking real good in the mirror? Or or would maybe you see something that's a little bit unrecognisable? See something that maybe you're a little bit alarmed with? See something that doesn't quite sit right with you. Turn to your neighbour and say, my hunger is my responsibility. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say, my hunger is my responsibility. If you're online, just say it to the wall you're sitting next to or the couch. My hunger is my responsibility. I love you guys online. I want to take you to this passage of Scripture, Matthew chapter 5, 1 to 6. We're going to focus on the start in verse 6. And seeing the multitudes, Jesus went up on a mountain When he was seated, his disciples came to him, and then he opened his mouth and taught them. And we know these as the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. But we want to park here for a second at verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. It was more than just a statement about a moral state of living. It was a statement of allowing yourself to live righteously, in other words, for your character to be transformed, to be more Christ-like. The only way your character can be transformed to be more Christ-like is for us to be with Christ. The only way I can be more Christ-like is for me to be in the presence of Christ. And what's important to know is the kind of hunger that Jesus unpacks for you and for I is a kind of hunger that isn't, isn't satisfied by a snack. Is there any just snackers in the room? Like chronic snack. Come on, lift your hands in the presence of the Lord. Come on. If you're a snacker in the room, I am a just compulsive snacker. Put something in front of me. I, I, I want to eat seven meals a day, but all of them just be snacks. Don't give me breakfast or dinner. I, true story, I'll be eating at nearly midnight at night. Ask my wife, where is Gareth? Why isn't he in bed? All of a sudden, it's crunching. And she'll say, get, you better, if you want to live, get out of this bed right now. You know? Alpha pre-marriage course is what we're registered for. Shout out to that course for you guys as well. But it's the kind of snacks that just doesn't satisfy when we speak about spiritual hunger. How do I know this? Well, because at 4 to 6 p.m. across most houses, parents with young children, there is this beautiful dialogue going back and forth. I don't care what you're eating right now. Dinner is coming. I don't care how healthy that apple or banana is right now. Dinner is coming. I'm not, I'm not telling you again. I don't care you didn't eat that for lunch today. Dinner is coming. So I just put off the snacks. I'll hear a mica for a second. Dinner is coming. I know there's some parents in the room. You feel me, right? There's some like twitches I see like going on as you're recounting those conversations with your kids. But just like in the natural, so too 
in the supernatural. The spiritual hunger that Jesus invites us to partake in can't be fully satisfied by just spiritually snacking. The spiritual hunger that Jesus invites us to partake in can't be fully satisfied by simply spiritually snacking. If I can continue to share my story that I started sharing with you at the start of this message, but in my spiritual malnutrition kind of state, or my, the way that I was at the time, I, I started to snack on something. Now at the time, I, I thought, yeah, it's, it's a bit healthy, but I started to kind of realize that I was going down a pretty dark path. I started to snack on Sunday gatherings, church. Now, you guys need to know that church is biblical, that the church gathered big and gathered small. It's in everyone says we want to be the early church. Well, that is the pattern for the early church in our lives. But when I say I started to snack on church, I started to realize that I was getting all my nourishment and my fulfillment by like a, a, a one and a half hour block on a Sunday. And I was walking away in the week wondering why I'm so fatigued. Why aren't I able to continue to have the strength to go and do what God was calling me to do? It's because I was snacking on a Sunday. But let me tell you that there's more to life, Christian, than just a church service on a Sunday. There's more to life than that. Shout out to our connect groups who are incredible and do a great job at discipling one another. But let me tell you, you need a community of faith in your life. You need daily encounters with the Word of God in your life. You need to be led by the Holy Spirit in your life. You need to be desperate for His presence each and every day. There's so much more to this beautiful, wonderful Christian life than simply snacking on a Sunday. Is this all right for you guys in the room? The Holy Spirit started to show me that instead of feasting, I was snacking. And instead of being desperate, I was being passive. From my experience, friend, let me tell you this, that true spiritual hunger isn't just about satisfying you, it'll sustain you. True spiritual hunger isn't just about satisfying you, it will sustain you. And people know life's pretty hard. Like life is pretty hard. We've got a lot going on in our 21st century lives. That's why we need the presence of God. That's why we need the holy presence of God. It won't just satisfy you, but it will help sustain you. How do I know that? Well, I know that from the Word of God. John chapter 4, 31 to 34. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, teacher, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has, any, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Oh, can you just imagine the disciples looking at one another? What? Man, Jesus. Like, it's been pretty hot. Do you reckon he's got heat stroke? Like, maybe when he was with the Samaritan woman, like, uh, someone give him some, like, unleavened bread. Like, I mean, like, we walked past that olive tree before. Anyone got some olives? Come on. Like, put, everyone put it in. Like, let's, let's give it to Jesus. And Jesus says, <laughs> nah, I'm not just satisfied. I could go all day. I could go all night. I could go many, many, many more years because I'm not just satisfied, I'm sustained. Think about it. He said, my food is to do the will and the work of my Father. How does he know the will and the work of his Father? Easy. He's with his Father. He's communing with his Father. It's in the presence of little wonder that Jesus would daily retreat to be in the presence of his Father. And it's a reminder to me that if Jesus needed to do that to be sustained for the journey ahead, how much more so do you and I need the presence of the living Holy God to be sustained for our journey? Come on, can I get an amen? How much more do we need the presence of the living Holy God to help sustain us for the journey 
ahead. And I looked in the mirror and what I saw, like, I didn't like. Like, I didn't like. And I mean, look, obviously, not physically, because I loved all this, you know, physically. <laughs> Jess knows what I'm talking about, babe. All this. All this. Look at me. Look at me. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to be allowed back on the stage. But it wasn't physically, it was the spiritual transformation that kind of caught me off guard a little bit. And I share this message with you not like so I can kind of get some sympathy or um, so I can kind of give you a shock factor. Because I, I share this message with you that God so gracefully allowed me to see that in my lowest state. And my message to you this morning is simply to encourage you to be spiritually hungry again. I want to stop you before you get to that state where you're looking in the mirror and say, man, what I'm looking at, I do not recognize. Because God was so gracious and kind to me that today I want to bless you online church and in the room by saying it's time to get spiritually hungry again. Come on, can we be real and authentic today, Nations Church? It's time to get spiritually hungry again. But the kind of spiritual hunger that Jesus unpacks in Matthew chapter 5 is a little bit strange. It's a, it's a little bit of a paradox. Like the kind of hunger he unpacks, it, it kind of does the job, but it kind of doesn't really satisfy you on this side of eternity. Like when you think about it, it, it's, it messes with your head. Bill Johnson said this, in the natural, you get hungry by not eating. In the spiritual, you get more hungry by eating. In the natural, you get hungry by not eating. In the spiritual, you get more hungry by eating. Psalm 34 now makes sense. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Anyone got a dessert stomach in the room? Man, I'm so full. I couldn't eat anymore. Guys, you've got to try this dessert. It is so good. You know what? I'm not full anymore. <laughs> I ain't keep going. Why? Because your friend's like, guys, this is, this is so good. When you're in the presence of God, you just want more. When you allow yourself to be submerged in the presence of the Almighty God, in His holy presence, you just want more. Therefore, it makes sense. The more hungry you are, spiritually hungry, the more that you want in God's presence. And it's encouragement to every believer that we should be living in a perpetual state of spiritual hunger. We should be living in a perpetual state of spiritual hunger. What does that mean? It means that I should be more hungry today than I was yesterday. It means that as great as the Sunday service is today, I should be more spiritually hungry tomorrow than I am today. That I should be more spiritually hungry, come on, when I'm 80 than when I was 18. I should be more spiritually hungry when I'm 50 than when I was 15. Does anyone get me in this room? The kind of hunger that Jesus encourages in us is a unique feeling that both satisfies us, but it also keeps us longing for more. Let me say that again. The kind of hunger that Jesus encourages in us is a unique feeling that both satisfies us and keeps us Longing for more. That's why Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for me. Like not me, but you know, Jesus. For him. For his goodness. For his kindness. For his presence. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. And everything else gets put to the side. But blessed are those who hunger and thirst for me. For me and only me. You have a passion that burns for me. You have a hunger for a righteous living. You have a hunger to be in the presence of my holiness and to be set apart. And I believe that Jesus is still speaking these words, not just to me, but to our church. That our church, once again, would be a spiritually hungry church. That we would be humble enough to know, listen, I'm not perfect. I got mistakes, 
but that this hunger because of my humility would draw me into the presence of the Holy God, would draw me into a presence that can transform me. Because Jesus alone, as good as this message may or may not be, let me tell you, it's an encounter with Jesus that will change you. It's an encounter with the living word that will change your life, that our spiritual hunger would drive us away from complacency, that it would make us uncomfortable, that it would drive us into the holy presence of the most high God. Friend, that's the correlation between humility, hunger, and holiness. How many people know about King David in the Bible? King David is a great man of God. And uh, we drop into this psalm, Psalm 63, verse 1. It says, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Studies tell us that David probably wrote this in the wilderness of Judah under persecution of, um, of Saul at the time. And even in the midst of persecution, the threat of death in his life, the kind of language that he uses just doesn't make sense. Like, you are my God. Early in the morning, I'll seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Think about that. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water, what would you want? Water. <laughs> Common sense. It says, I don't even want to talk about that because I understand that my spiritual hunger is greater than my natural hunger. I, 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 yeah, it's barren. Yeah, it's dry. Yeah, I'm thirsty. But I'm not even going to talk about that right now because all I want is you, Jesus. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful conviction for David to have that you and I can learn from, to have that conviction that, God, there's stuff that happens in our lives. But my conviction is that I still hunger and thirst for only you. Yes, things may be dry. Yes, things may be barren right now, but I hunger and thirst, Jesus, for you. I'm not going to focus on what I can get in the natural. I'm going to focus on what I can get in the supernatural presence of the Most High God. Can we give Jesus a shout of praise? Come on, give him a shout of praise like you mean it. Because he deserves our glory. He alone deserves our praise, sorry, and we deserve coming to alignment with his glory in our lives. Here's the thing about David. Man, I love David, but he was a humble guy. He was a humble guy. Scriptures tell us he was a man after God's own heart. He was as comfortable in the battlefield as he was tending sheep. He was as comfortable getting his brother's food and drink and as he was taking down giants. David wasn't a snacker when it came to asking for more of God. He didn't just want a little bit here and there. And, no, that's enough. That's good. No, David was, David was full-blown all in. Like there's this one story in 2 Samuel chapter 6 where, where David, they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant. This is before Jesus' time. So the holy presence of God was in an ark. No one could really touch it unless you were a specified person, unless you kind of had what you needed to have together because this was holy and you were unholy. You guys following me? Yeah. So David, this is coming back, and David's like, man, this is awesome. This is amazing. This is the best news ever. So David like, gets out, starts dancing before people in front of everybody else. He's not wearing the royal garments that he's meant to be wearing. And people are like, David, what are you doing? He's like, I don't care. I'm just dancing before Jesus. I'm, I'm so happy. I'm, I'm so ecstatic that the presence of God can finally come home, that I can finally be close. I can finally be near to God's presence. And then he gives this to all the haters that's coming at him. He says, um, for I will be even more undignified. You, <laughs> you think what I'm doing is bad now. Just wait till tonight, right? He says, and I will be humble in my own sights 
As for the maidservants that spoke of me, they'll, they'll show me honor because of the position that I've been appointed to by God. See, hunger for the things of God is great, but it's nothing without humility. When it comes to what God wants to release in our lives, I believe the starting point is humility. The starting point is those mirror conversations that God has to show us. Guys, listen, you're not doing that well right now. It's that humility that says, God, would you search my heart? God, would you search everything a part of me, everything that's in me, and would you show me the ways of the everlasting Father? It's the conversation. And friends, let me tell you, that's why pride is so damaging. I've seen some incredible men and women in ministry, incredible people who have an incredible hunger for God, but they've kind of hit a wall. Why? Because of their pride. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that person. We can be hungry for all the things of God, yet our pride can prevent us from fully partaking in those things. Pride depends on yourself, but humility depends on God. And the reason for that is that the closer that I kind of find myself leaning in towards God's presence, the more I'm made aware that I've needed him all along. So the more I'm in his presence, the more aware I am that I need him. And I've needed him all along. Here's what pride will do. It will keep you snacking on the things of God. See, David's humility was in such a strong place that he didn't care what others thought. He, he said, oh, I'm undignified. See, the pride will say, whoa, 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 hold up. Like, you're good for this week. Like, you're good for today. Like, you don't need to do you anymore. You don't, like, God, God is everywhere, you know. Like, you don't, you don't and it'll, it'll make you treat his holy presence with contempt. They keep you snacking. Oh, a little bit here, a little bit there, but never really fully immersed in the presence of the most high God. But what I love about humility, the lesson that David teaches me is that humility has never been a performance response. It's a personal response to his presence. Humility isn't a, a performance response. It's a personal response to God's holiness. If it was a perform, performance response, then the scriptures would lead, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for self-righteousness. But it doesn't. Let's those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, where is righteousness found in? Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. Blessed are those who come to me, all their weaknesses, in their personal response to me. It's not a show, it's not a performance. The impulse that drives the life of the believer isn't the need to perform for God, but rather to commune with God, to be transformed by his holiness. He said that again, the impulse that drives the life of every believer isn't the need to perform for God, but rather to commune with God, to be transformed by his holiness. Let me tell you, it's in the presence of God that we are just so beautifully transformed by him. It's in the presence of God that he shows us things, that he shows us areas of our lives that need to be changed. He has mirror chats to, with us. And I, I love those times because in humility, I can come before God and say, God, I'm not perfect. God, I don't have it all together. But man, thank goodness that we ha serve and know a God who does. That we serve and know a God who's gracious and who loves us and allows us to come before him boldly in his presence. Matthew 17 is... One of the last passages I want to leave you with today. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother. He led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with them. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, is it good for us to be here? If you wish, let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, I love Peter. Peter's like, you know, 
like a, like a toddler kind of around you. Can, can we do this? Can we do that? Like, let's go, let's do this, that, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I love how the response after this is kind of God just kind of ignoring that. <laughs> While he was still speaking, Peter, a bright cloud overshadowed them and a suddenly a voice from the clouds, God saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus, oh, isn't he so good? And he came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw absolutely no one but Jesus. This account of transfiguration, that word transfiguration means this, a complete change of form or appearance into a more beautiful or spiritual state. Let me say that again, a complete change of form or appearance into a more beautiful or spiritual state. In other words, Jesus is saying, when you're in my presence, there is a complete transformation to a more beautiful and spiritual state. But I love what Jesus said to his disciples. Don't be afraid. Don't be like in the middle of what's going on. Don't be afraid. Sometimes we can get scared because we're creatures of habit. Don't like change. Can I submit to you in the room and online that potentially when you think about God's holiness, it might be a bit scary for you. The idea that maybe there might actually need to be some change that needs to happen in your life can be a bit scary sometimes. The idea that maybe, I don't know, God, I don't know if you have the best intentions for me. I don't know. I've been burnt by trust issues before. I, I, I don't know, God, if I can really trust you in your presence. I don't know if I'm really prepared to be in that place. And Jesus, the genius of Jesus, he knows this and says, hey, guys, this ch- change that's happening, don't, don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of it. Friend, there's nothing to be scared of being in God's holy presence. There's, people in the Old Testament literally paid the price with their lives to be in there, but thank God we're not in the Old Testament anymore. Friend, there's nothing to be afraid of being in the holy presence of the Most High God that can change you and transform you. The question for every believer is this, will we, will we be satisfied on snacking and receive only partial transformations? Or will we be so captivated by who He is, by His holiness, that we simply can't snack again. The question, is that for us? The answer is up to you. The answer is up to me. Will we be so satisfied by simply snacking that we only receive a partial transformation? Or will we be so captivated by who He is, by His holiness? We simply can't snack because we know that we'll never be the same again. The point of view from Peter in that story is incredible. Wants to build these altars. Why? He wants to build places of encounter. He's so amazed at what's happened. Maybe a little bit naive, coming, wanting to come back there. But nonetheless, he's hungry because he says, well, this is so great. If I can build these altars, I can keep coming back. And the next person, next week and next year, they can come back to this spot and they can encounter what I encountered. It was a, it was a hunger that he had. He wanted the next encounter. In that same story, you find them on their faces. This picture of an Old Testament covenant where people would be literally on their hands and knees, their faces to the ground because to be in God's presence was just absolutely incredible. He's a great reminder for me. It's a great lesson for me on hunger, humility. And I love his story because this is the same dude who just the chapter before was saying, Jesus, don't die and rise again. 
Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Like, this, this guy messed up a little bit. Let's me know that on this journey of humility, it's okay to be a mess sometimes. It's okay to not have it all together sometimes. It's okay to make some mistakes sometimes. Listen, I'm sharing you with this message not as some dude who, who didn't know Christ. I'm sharing this message with you from a person who after Vision Sunday, everyone was like, man, your campus is doing well. You're growing. Like everything's going great. And I love it. Like this, we were in a good space. But it was Jesus that challenged me. And it took every bit of humility to stand there because I could have walked away from that mirror. Nah, God, like, you don't understand. I'm all good. But every bit of humility to understand that, guys, maybe you do need to get spiritually hungry again. And the beautiful love of Jesus to show me that, guys, where you're at, I still love you. But it's not sustainable for life. And it's not sustainable on the journey ahead. And I want to encourage you the journey of spiritual transformation comes from your humility, your hunger, but His holiness. Your humility, your hunger, but His holiness. Nothing more and nothing less. Humility, hunger, and holiness. I hope this blessed you guys today. And if you're watching online, I hope it blessed you as well. Thanks for listening to the Nations Church podcast. For more info, please visit nationschurch.com. Thank you.